0: What's up? This is your host, Ellie Einhorn, and I'm here to tell you that On Air Festival 2019 is coming soon and features some pretty amazing guests. Jad Abumrad, he of Radiolab. Brandon Stosi, who you might remember from our collaborative episode. Brandon is the editor-in-chief of The Creative Independent. Roxanne Gay is going to be there. Tons of amazing artists, tons of amazing writers, tons of amazing podcasters. As we get ready for On Air Fest 2019, We wanted to re-air a fantastic conversation that TalkHouse was part of last year at the Fest. For TalkHouse, Meredith Graves. For the Players' Tribune, NFL linebacker Cameron Lynch. Check it out. What's up? Welcome back to the show. This is another episode of the TalkHouse podcast. I'm Elia Einhorn, and today I'm joined by...
1: Hi, I'm Amy Rose Spiegel, TalkHouse Music's Editor-in-Chief.
0: Listeners, we have a very cool episode for you today, recorded live at the fantastic On Air Festival right here in Brooklyn at the Wythe Hotel. They asked a lot of their favorite podcasts to come in. Radio Labs More Perfect was there. My Dad Wrote a Porno was there. The Moth Radio Hour was there. What's Good with Stretch and Bobbito was there. And... The Talk House was there.
1: We were also in great company on the panel itself because we teamed up with the Players Tribune, which is kind of like the Talk House for sports. Shouts. What they do is they have athletes write in the first person about their field and their lives, much in the same style as we do with music and film.
0: And they have amazing contributors. Now, another cool thing they do is they have this internship, which is They'll take a professional athlete who's interested in writing, who's interested in the first-person narrative, who's interested in learning about publishing, and they'll actually bring them on as an intern for a week at their headquarters here in New York. They'll take meetings with industry professionals, learn all about publishing, get coaching on their writing. It is a very cool program. Now, we counted ourselves as very lucky that their current intern was none other than Cameron Lynch, linebacker for the Rams.
1: When we were thinking about who to pair with this amazing person, we thought of none other than Meredith Graves, formerly of Perfect Pussy, and who is now an amazing anchor for MTV News.
0: Now, Amy Rose... You and Meredith have some history.
1: We do. It's funny. So Meredith, I think, had her first bylines at the Talk House. And at the time, I was an editor for a teen girl site called Rookie. Shouts. So I was reading the Talk House obsessively before I happened to work there. And I came across this essay about one of my favorite bands, They Might Be Giants. So it's this beautiful essay about how They Might Be Giants is really more of a punk band than they're perceived to be. And I was like, oh, my God, finally, someone is recognizing my feelings about this. So I wrote to her and I was like, can you please come on to our staff as well as Talk House? And that was Meredith Graves. And then we became best friends. (laughs) So there's that.
0: Meredith and Cameron really hit it off. And throughout the course of their talk, the two chopped it up about a number of topics, including getting over huge professional failures.
1: Right. Meredith actually goes into how we all can learn a lot from Fergie's notorious performance of the national anthem.
0: They talk about debunking the whole shut up and dribble concept.
1: Right, or in Meredith's case, shut up and play. Um, They go into the perils of Googling yourself. It's
0: dangerous territory. Very much so. And they publicly reckon with the fact that all of us are, quote, an unpredictable consciousness driving a meat-covered skeleton.
1: And that's why
2: you hire Meredith (laughs) Graves. Should we roll it? Let's do it. We're going to start our next panel right now. If you're a day drinker, get a drink from the bar. And if you are using social media, please follow and tweet and Instagram at OnAirFest and use the hashtag OnAirFest. So I'm back. I'm Keisha TK Dutess, your host for the day. And one of our favorite podcasts comes from Talk House. Talk House dives super deep. Each episode, they deliver an artist-on-artist conversation that goes into unexpected territory. So when they told us they wanted to pair up with the Players Tribune, which I thought was a newsletter for pimps, um, but it is not. It's apparently a new media company that connects athletes with fans. So when they told us they wanted to do that, I got a better sense of what the conversation was going to be like. So there will not be any pimps On stage today. Um, But please welcome the host of Talk House Podcast, Elia Einhorn, and the editor of the Players Tribune, Dan Treadway.
0: What's up? Thanks for having us on Airfest.
3: Thank you.
0: (gasps) (laughs) I'm Elliot Einhorn. I'm the podcast producer here at the Talk House, Dan Treadway.
3: Yeah, I'm an editor with the Players' <laughs> Tribune, which er- regrettably is not a newsletter for pimps, but maybe we should pivot.
0: <laughs> well, we just want to take a minute before we introduce our guests to uh, to talk a little bit about what we do. Dan, why don't you kick us off, man? You guys, uh, You guys have been doing... Work
3: that we have appreciated from afar for a while. I really appreciate that. The Players' Tribune essentially started in 2014. We launched, I think, like three days after Derek Jeter retired. He was uh, sort of the founding editor of the website. And what we do is we tell uh, first-person stories from the perspective of the athlete. Um, So to date, we've worked with uh, thousands of different athletes stretching from many different sports ranging from Paralympic athletes, female athletes, WNBA, all the way up to Steph Curry. And yeah, the core goal is basically to connect fans with athletes by having them tell their own story in this authentic, open way that uh, sometimes gets lost in the current media landscape.
0: What we do at the Talk House is have artists, filmmakers, musicians write about their own experience. That's how the site was launched. And the podcast kicked off about four years ago now. At first as a supplement to the site, now we have more than weekly episodes. So last year we put out, I think, 72. And whether artists are writing or whether they're speaking on the podcast, the whole concept is that this is the first person experience, that, that this is experiential knowledge that they're sharing unfiltered there's a couple elements to that. One is that a lot of things are shared that would not be shared in a typical journalistic context. The other thing is, we don't have a filter on it. We don't have an agenda. So we let the artists write about what they need to write about, what's important to them and what we think other people need to hear. So our idea, when On Air Fest came to the Talkhouse and asked us to curate a talk for this very cool festival, shouts, thanks again for having mm-hmm. us, We sat around in our editorial meeting and our publisher, Ian Wheeler, said, well, we've all been appreciating what Players' Tribune do as far as giving that first-person narrative to athletes. We're doing the same thing with artists. Why don't we actually have a conversation about the process, about all the nuances of what that gives to the person who's telling their story? So on that note, I'd like to introduce our guests. On the Talk House side, we brought in a brilliant musician who has become a brilliant journalist using the Talk House as her springboard. Meredith Graves started out with the band Perfect Pussy. If you don't know them, they were one of the most influential and important hardcore punk bands of the time. And she's released a couple solo tracks. She's also gone on, after publishing her first piece on the Talkhouse to write for 15 international papers She's contributed to ID, to Village Voice, and she is now a lead anchor at MTV News.
3: Dan, tell us about your guest. On behalf of the Players' Tribune, uh, we're bringing out Cameron Lynch, who if you maybe look him up on Google, you'll see that he is a linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams. But uh, what we know about him is he's a uh, really smart, articulate, funny, interesting person. He's been our intern for the past week. I... Did not ask him to get me coffee. When you see him, you'll understand why. Uh, (laughs) Coolest intern ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I've gotten to talk with him a lot, particularly in the past week. And I'm just really, really excited that you guys get to hear from him as well.
0: Great. On that note, let's welcome Meredith and Cameron to the stage. And uh, Dan and I will be back up at the last few minutes to take questions. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks so much again. We're going to
4: turn the stage over to you guys. We
0: have
5: so oh. many extra microphones. Oh, it's
4: our mics now, huh? Okay.
0: There we
5: have it.
4: <sighs> Hello.
5: Hi. And hi. Hi, everyone.
4: What's Good up? morning.
5: I don't know why it feels so early. It's not.
4: Yeah, it's like that's like 11. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. early wake up today. I woke up at like 6 o'clock, 7, got a workout mm-hmm. in. So I knew I was going to see you. I was like, all right, I got to get, get big for the cameras. I'm going to be with Mary. Yeah, today. me
5: too. I did like 300 push ups. <laughs> yeah. With yeah.
4: one finger. Oh, okay, one finger. Well, um, I stood
5: in front of the mirror and I flexed yeah, a lot.
4: Yeah, so I'm excited to be on here with you. Um, Hi.
5: Yeah. It's so nice to meet you.
4: Yeah, it's a pleasure. I was back there looking your information. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's see, you know, see who we're, who we're um, sitting down with. And I'm excited. I'm pretty excited.
5: Interesting, though, because we're here to talk about the first person narrative. Because personally, I mean, I don't know about you, but. If you've ever made the crucial mistake of Googling yourself and you sit there and you end up thinking your first thought is like, this is the first thing people find out about me? Are you crazy? Like, what's the first thing that comes up when people search for you?
4: Um, uh, I'm not sure. I think it'll be Wikipedia, probably. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the normal. But hopefully it's good stuff. You know, um, I, you know I work with Players' Tribune as an athlete. is you know, that that rhetoric, like, shut up and drill, that just happened recently. As an athlete, I like to switch that whole thing, right? Like, so I went to Syracuse University and I looked up that you were from Syracuse as well. I am. Yeah, so at Syracuse University, um, I studied engineering and economics, so hopefully that'll pop up. That will something that I would hope to pop up. Um, You know, with this internship at uh, Players' Tribune, you know, hope that pops up. Uh, It's a thing that us as athletes want to push out is, you know, and that'll be a cool kind of, you know, concept at Players' Tribune, like, what's what's your your Google search type like you know, how are you portraying yourself yourself as an athlete, and um, how are you viewed to the uh, to your audience and your fans?
5: Mm-hmm. So it's really really interesting to me because I didn't know you said you you majored at at SU in engineering. Yeah. yeah. So you've had engineering. Obviously, it, it's enough of a part of your life that that's what you chose to to do while you were there, and you're also playing football. Yeah. When did writing come into the picture for you?
4: I'm not really necessarily a writer. I'd probably leave the writing to you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, I actually want to get into, uh, you know, broadcast and digital journalism. I'm glad to be sitting here with you because you are one of the best uh, on MTV. So, uh, you know, shout out to you. Thanks.
5: Thank you. The idea of just, like, uh, shut up and play football. Shut up and pick up your guitar. Like, stop trying to engage with the world outside of this box that we've put you in. I guess what I'm trying to say, you're a large, famous, fancy football player. I'm a television head. And we're here to not just represent the sites, we're here to represent, but also to kind of stand up for, please stop saying shut up and play football. Please stop saying shut up and play music. Why do you think it's important now more than ever for people in disciplines to kind of also be willing to speak or to write or to broadcast or to take on stances about the world?
4: Um, it, it's it's huge because uh, it it shows that you're you're fluid, you know what I mean, um, that you're flexible, you can do different things. And to give your stance on the world and your opinions, right, people care about that, right? Like, you have access that some people don't have access to, so they're really probably curious on what you do, you know, like you're professional you you know what you do is uh is is really impressive so um, i think for us it's important that we set a standard and um you know we show that we're not just one dimensional um and we were we had a uh we had an interview with a business uh company um and basically you know they asked us uh Could you see yourself in corporate America and how how would it translate, right? So, you know, I made this example. I was like, athletes are like surgeons, um, essentially, right? We're professionals. So if you were to get your your heart worked on, right, like you wouldn't want the surgeon to mess your heart up. So for us, every time we go to practice, we don't want to miss a tackle because like you can get cut. So um, essentially, if you're late to a meeting, a 10 o'clock meeting, that's like a $12,000 fine. So I think nobody in America, I don't think, had, goes through those stipulations. So our awareness is um, at a high, high level. So I told the business, uh, you know, source that, hey, like, in corporate America, you probably would get some of the best workers through these athletes because of the high pressure and the high intensity that we uh, that we go through. So, you know, we are diverse and we're very professional and um, uh, we're very much just like everyone else, just at a, you know, a different level. So...
5: And Where music and sports intersect, I think uh, <clears throat> what you just said is really wonderful. Like, if what you want is someone to go at things with precision, if what you want is for someone to see something through, I can foresee an athlete being a, a great person for that job. And also just to the point of, like, if you're going to criticize what somebody does, you better be able to do it better yes. in a lot of cases. And that's how I felt when a couple weeks ago everyone was going off on Fergie for donging up the national anthem so badly it's like can you do better
4: yeah can, do
5: you know what it's like to actually like because you're just on the listening end of that and you're like this does not sound good to me an average person who cannot sing to save my life right. it's okay. like have you ever sung in an outdoor stadium situation where you are experiencing the doppler effect of your own voice coming back at you in a different key because of the stadium monitors and having it echo at you live wow. you're just singing the national anthem ostensibly to some the most important song that we have and it's impossible to hear yourself. All you hear is like a yodeling echo. So it's that kind of thing of like, like you don't know the number of skills it takes to do the thing that, you see someone do on TV, whether they're making a tackle or whether they're interviewing Migos or whether they're singing the national anthem. Yeah. People don't know the number of skills that go into what looks, what the end result looks like
4: right. In so broadcast. So ex- explain that um, to me. That it was it was interesting, right? So like a player's treatment, we sat down on some big sales meetings, right? And, um, you know, we talked to the people and they wanted our perspective, how we saw football, how we saw sports, um, and it has shaped how they made the decisions, right? So how you talked about the Doppler effect, right, and all that... I didn't know that. I don't think most news sources put that out there mm-hmm. um, because of what, like, player tribute player does is we put out what players see. So what you saw there, um, if there was a player tribute for music, um, you know, talk house. Uh, <laughs> so, um,
5: Fergie, right, for the Fer- Talkhouse?
4: Yes, Fergie for the Talkhouse. So, So has that happened to you before? I know you have your own, you know. I sang
5: the national anthem at my senior year of high school homecoming football game, <laughs> and I had a cold so bad that I had, had to get a, a shot penicillin shot and then I went with my raspy voice and I I sang the national anthem my, my senior year of high school Gazing go? into the faces of all of the football players and their girlfriends who had mocked me steadily for seven years, and I just stood there soaking it in.
4: Wow! So, going, h- how did it take you, me yeah. till this long? Okay. Yeah. So, how did you? So, so when you, you go through something like that, right? So, like, like Fergie, like, how do you? How do you bounce back, or how do you? You know, mentally go through that that mockery, right? Like, you're a professional, and you know, like, let's say Odell Beckham, like he messes up, right? Like, you're a professional at your craft, like if he messes up and he gets mocked, you know, he goes through a mental um, recovery, essentially. How do you go through that mentally and how did you go through that?
5: Ooh, the mental recovery from dinging up a performance real bad. I mean, to, to a point it's cold comfort, but cold comfort is like cold pizza. Sometimes it's better than yeah, <laughs> the yeah. first time it gets around to you. It's, uh, it's that sometimes you really do just have to sort of steel yourself give yourself a good squeeze and say, well, of all of the, I still did better than all of the people making fun of me would have, which, you know, it's, it's never great to compare yourself to other people, but just to say, you know, even when people perceive me as having lost, I tried, which means I won in some context.
4: Right, it's right.
5: Like I, I won because I had an experience that other people will never get to have. Mm, yeah. It's about, for me, I mean, to get really existential with it, whether it's in terms of publishing a piece that you think is going to bang and then it doesn't hit, or mm. you you publish something and it scans to other people as potentially being off, or other people are just picking on you on the internet, or you made a bad play, or you donged up the national anthem in front of millions of viewers. Yeah. Regardless of what happens... It's crucial to sit back and remember at the end of the day, and not to employ like a cliche that's bound for a Pinterest meme. But like, mm-hmm. we are the composite of immeasurable eons of carbon that's drifted back down to the surface of this planet. Mm-hmm. We're an inexplicable consciousness piloting a skeleton wrapped in heavily cured meat. Wow, <laughs> like, we was, all die. So <laughs> like, when, when when you fuck up, yeah. when you fuck up, please just remember that like at any point, your brain could short and you could pee your pants. You know, yeah. things could always be worse. You are an unpredictable consciousness driving a meat-covered skeleton. <laughs> like, Fergie can sing the national anthem really bad yeah. and it doesn't change the fact that you never decide the hour of your own death. Like, you yeah. can get very existential with it and sometimes yeah. that is it's all you get wow, wow. <laughs> at the end of like dicking something up. Yeah,
4: you know? wow, okay. So, yeah. I know
5: that's, it's like really weird, but it's really comforting.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like anything, right? Like if you drop a ball in a big game, you know what I'm saying? Like that sucks, but at the end of the day, like I think what you're getting at is like, you shoot your shot again. Like, oh, yeah. you shoot your shot. You know what I mean? Like you'll probably miss a thousand, but, you know, you can be Michael Jordan. He probably missed more than 1,000. Kobe, I'm sure, missed more, one of my favorite player Probably missed more than 1,000, but he's one of the greatest, right? So for you, right, like, or, or Fergie, she can mess up, ding up a, a national anthem, but next thing you know, you're on MTV. You're, you know, you're doing your thing. You're on uh, Talk House, you know, on air. So um, that that's pretty sick. And, uh, you know, if anybody is watching or listening, I would say uh, a team might let me go or, get cut, we go through that, right? Like, you know, athletes who get cut and, you know, they have families in different areas, but, you know, the coach says, hey, like, you're not on this team anymore. You have to pack up everything, pack up your kids, pack your wife up. Then you have to go across country and go to another team or live or not go to that team and make money, um, you have to just shoot your next shot. Like, okay, like, this is what I'm dealt. Um, you know, you mess with the anthem, this is what I'm dealt. Uh, and, you know, you just sing another one. You know what I mean? And you go play another game as an athlete and, and you keep it chopping. So I think that's important um, all throughout life, right? Like, if if you miss a shot, just shoot another one.
5: Yeah, and I mean, I think, uh, I think a lot of people... And a lot of people, I'm speaking for like my part of a lot of people, as in a lot of people who don't play professional sports, a lot of people who don't closely monitor professional sports, at least I know that in the past, I had a really deep misconception about like a sort of like top echelon sports in the United States, which is that idea of teamwork that, like, you just spoke to isn't exactly the case. Like, I guess I didn't realize, you know, there is a certain level of camaraderie that you'll develop, and, you know, the only team that I can say I know anything about with any, like, depth is the 88, 89 bad boys, the Detroit Pistons, and I know, you know, Bill Ambeer, and all those dudes, and when you watch that amazing 30 for 30, they don't even get upset until they start to talk about the time when their team got split up. Yeah. And it is, it seems like it is, so horrible to suddenly be taken off a team that you've, you've bonded with in immeasurable ways, whether that's kinetic bonding on the court or, or on the field or, you know, in, in the housing that they put you up in because they do move you across the country and they put you in some place, whatever team or college that you're coming from, and they stick you with a bunch of unfamiliar people who you bond with, and then you you drop a ball once. And th- if you think Kobe doesn't drop very many balls, think of how many balls you had to drop to become Kobe Bryant in the first place then they whisk you across the country and they separate you from your team, which is all to speak to how important it is to get that Players' Tribune first-person narrative because no matter how teamworky it all seems, at the end of the day, the athlete is an isolated narrator.
4: Yeah. Like you said, it's huge, right? Like, so... When you go into football as a rookie, right, you're 21 years old, right? So you're getting paid millions of dollars or thousands of dollars. Um, and it's that's a jump itself, right? So it's like a curve. The curve goes from here, like I'm in college, I'm in college, I'm learning, I'm in college, to here, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm paying bills and I'm paying for my family, I'm, I'm providing for my family. So then it's like, okay, now I have to compete with these other people so you're back at a, like a level plane. So like you're back at, you're low man on the totem pole, you know what I mean? So then you're battling, you're battling and you have like, um, you know, you have different stresses. You have different pools, But mind you, you're making these bonds with people, right? And mind you, like some people have kids and families and wives, so then they're making bonds. It's it's a special bond, but it's also very cutthroat too, right? And people don't realize the cutthroatness. You know, some guys will give you plays in the wrong way. Like, they will give you the wrong play on purpose just to, you know, get you out of the building. You know what I'm saying? They'll take your iPad. I've got my iPad taken. When I was a rookie, I had to pay a $1,000 for my iPad because it was gone. Then the vet was like, hey, all right, here's your iPad, rookie. You know what I mean? So um, there's little things that people don't see. But, um, you know, you, you meet, get these bonds with these guys. Um, you meet their families, their friends, and we're people, you know? Um, so then, you know, the rug is pulled right under, under, underneath you, underneath your wife, underneath with your kids, so it's in it's, mind you, like when that rug gets pulled, it's, it's another incline, right? Like, I have to figure out how I'm going to feed my family again, how I'm going to get that done. So, I think Players Tribune does a great job with expressing that kind of like that with the IT story, right? Like, it was a shocker for him. There was a lot that was going on with his with his sister so um, and, you know, everything else. So athletes, like, we're people too, right? Like, we have people that come and go, um, and we have families and all that too. So just imagine, um, you know, you all, you, you, everybody waking up today, right? Like, every day, like, people from on air, from talk house, from, from MTV. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be on MTV today again. Because when I walk through the door, they might say, hey, you have to go every single day for 365 days out of the year, every year that you're playing. You know what I'm saying? Because like you can easily get a call like, hey, you're getting traded, blah, blah, blah. So it's like you're rolling the dice every day. A life dice, the dice of life. You're getting, you're rolling them every day. And mind you, you have to take care of. Like I said, as a 19-year-old, you have to take care of your mom, your dad, your cousin. You know what I'm saying? The people come at you left and right. So um, people don't realize that dynamic. And um, a Players Tribune does a great job giving insight on these athletes' lives. And that shut up and just dribble thing um, is not a great thing to say. Once. People see these narratives, right? like they'll bring you close to tears like every time I'm like, I'm not about to cry in this office, but um, that's how deep it is, you know um, and it's not just the football players alone, but also um, every other athlete
5: and I think to that point, another thing that comes out of websites like the Players Tribune and like the Talkhouse, I think uh, I mean, not speaking for for both of our disciplines at the same time, but I would guess that it's pretty safe to say that athletes and rock and roll people, There's a lot of stereotypes out there about us being dumb. And, like, athletes are dumb. Football players, you get hit in the head a lot. Or, oh, you must play football because you're not, you know, fucking engineer with an economics degree. What a joke, right? And, like, you know, rock and roll, all you do is shotgun beers and talk to to boobs, you know? (laughs) I don't know what people think rock (laughs) and rollers do. (laughs) <laughs> I do all those things, trust me. <laughs> People are going to use websites like the Talk House and like the Players' Tribune. So let's talk to some of the stereotypes that maybe you've even had busted about your fellow athletes when it comes to you as a fan of mm. the site. Because I know that Talk House has exploded some views that I had of some people. And it's taught me that some people I would have assumed are into some stuff or into some other stuff entirely.
4: Yeah, um, so I have teammates, like I said, uh, some some of our teammates, they they're, we're into stocks. Um, some guys have trucking companies. Um, they own franchises. They own, you know many things, right? Because like, you know, with this tax bracket, we have access to, you know, people from Merrill Lynch and these big financial corporations who like, hey, invest your money here, do this, do that. And so business opportunities are constantly thrown by uh, us as athletes. So with like the stereotypes, the chains, like the cars and blah, 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 right? Sometimes those cars are probably sponsorships, so they're free. Um, Sometimes a lot of guys live off of their um, endorsements. So, You know, I have a friend, Michael Carter-Williams, from Syracuse as well. Shout out to my boy, Mike. Um, He lives off of his endorsements, basically. So pretty much the money that he makes is getting saved. You know what I'm saying? So... um people don't see those things, right? Like some a lot of guys in the NFL are very smart. They own businesses. You know, the stereotypes um, can be broken through Players' shooting through talk TalkHouse. Um, so I'm talking about more, a lot about sports. Um, talk to me more about, you know, you know music and what are your stereotypes besides, you know, the beard and the boobs? Because, uh, you know, <laughs> we do that too we as athletes. So pretty no. bold. <laughs> but, um, don't
5: ruin the facade.
4: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, talk to us about some stereotypes though. Um, yeah, yeah,
5: I mean, the stereotype that I'm the most concerned With at the moment, at least it feels like, is the stereotype that for a long time everything's been fine. And by not allowing musicians to elucidate our own narratives within the, you know, larger public consciousness. I mean, so much of being a musician, and I'm kind of reverting in this way, because for the last couple of years I have been a somewhat functioning full-time journalist as well, and actually taken a break from playing live music for the last year or so myself in order to, to focus more on journalism. There is a pervasive stereotype that everything is fine. And when I say that, I mean everything is fine with the way we're being treated. Yeah, I'm totally fine with there only being four women on the fucking Coachella bill. Yeah, this totally makes sense. Oh no, yeah, it's totally it's totally fine when when oh, the big news story in this last week that I loved so much and that I wouldn't stop going on about is this it's totally fine that 44 international music festivals have pledged to make sure that their bill is at least 50% women by the year 2022. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I too need four years to psych myself up to talk to girls.
4: Yeah, yeah.
5: What? (laughs) Like, that's that's the big lie that I'm trying to Dispel in my current line of work is this lie that, yeah, this is totally normal. It's totally normal that some artists get $80 million advances to make really garbage albums and the rest of us get nothing when we work our butts off. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's totally cool. Like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, no, this is, we love being in the 100 sexiest women in rock and roll lists. No, I always play guitar without pants on. Yeah, this is normal. (laughs) This is great. Oh yeah, no, th- 2018 is totally the year that women are going to start making changes in music because there haven't, you know, black women didn't invent rock and roll. You know what wow. the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. People are going to keep on thinking that everything is fine, and it's fine to talk about us like this, and it's fine to discuss women's bodies, and 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 you know, it. People are people are also going to keep acting like it's totally fine and totally normal for music journalism to carry on treating artists the way they do, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that some interviewers regard their subjects is completely inappropriate, whether it's, I mean, not for gendered reasons or for reasons of just complete misunderstanding and ageism. You know, we got a lot of old guys running radio shows who are going to talk a big line about the younger generation. We have a lot of misunderstanding. And so outlets like the Talkhouse, but also a lot of outlets who have picked up in the wake of the Me Too movement kind of emerging in the forefront, I think the places that we write for, these dudes over here, are actually going to end up being pinpointed as vanguard when we realize now more than ever, to use the phrase de jour of last year into this year, now more than ever, a phrase we'll all be allergic to by the end of 2018, that it is really crucial for publications, especially legacy publications, to start allowing artists, athletes, musicians, filmmakers, painters, everyone, mm-hmm. to have that space to talk about our first-person narratives because, you know, unedited largely or with, with editorial assistance like not all of us are born writers in the same way that not all of us are born athletes. And there's a difference between a professional football player and someone who is the best on his flag football team that meets in the park on Saturday mornings. That guy will also benefit from excellent coaching. He will reach his ceiling and his ceiling will be different than yours, Mm -hmm. but writers, athletes, dancers, we all need help. So like helping people, people at major publications, making time and making space to tell their stories, for us to tell our stories and giving giving people that are in these front-facing positions, those of us who are the representatives perhaps of our entire discipline, mm. giving us the room and the space to tell our stories is the only way that we're going to either uh, affect or enforce change, whether mm-hmm. it's on the level of dispelling stereotypes of athletes being dumb or on the level of breaking down institutional power structures in, in Hollywood or in... You know, I mean, there have been sexual abuse cases in the sports world, very notably, mm-hmm. like... Allowing us to tell our stories serves a number of purposes. It helps us tell our fans who we are without the advertisers and and publicity agencies as the interlocutors. It also helps us keep ourselves and one another safe. And I think that's the legacy that the publications we work for that's one of the impacts that it will have in a long-term sense, is that it will be recognized as being one of the first places to do us the great service of allowing us to speak for ourselves. Right. I think that's important.
4: So let's brainstorm. What are some of the things that you think can happen for artists to have their voices heard despite Talk House and, you know, um, Players Tribune. What are some of the things that you think that artists and, you know, the record companies can do mm-hmm. um, to help change that dynamic? Because, you know, Talkhouse it can be great, Players Tribune can be great, right? But there's some initiative that needs to be taken. So what do you think that needs to be done within that aspect?
5: Mm-hmm. So I'll say first, I don't really trust record labels to do much. But I think that's okay, because I think a lot of people don't really understand the role that record labels play in working with artists. A lot of the time, a record label really is kind of just there to make sure that your records stay in print. If they do anything moreover, it's usually kind of dastardly. So one example that I think, um, <clears throat> and someone that I had the pleasure of meeting with in the last calendar year, who I think is a great example of how artists can work, not work with their labels, but work in spite of their labels to affect great changes, logic. Uh, Logic with his song 1-800, of course, with Alessia Cara and Khalid, became one of the biggest songs of last year. Mm-hmm. It also, statistically, by the end of 2017, had a provable effect on young people in the United States, insofar as within the week following the song's release, calls to the lifeline increased something like six times over. Yeah. Following their performance at the VMAs this year, which is when I was lucky enough to speak with them on the red carpet, calls picked up like 80%. It was their highest volume day of calls ever. Wow. So that is an example Logic and Khalid and Alessia Cara by proxy that's an exceptional example of what an artist can do with their label, without their label, in spite of their label, Mm. is to take all the passion and energy that you do when you're doing the best thing, whether, you know and this must sound strange for me, like a non-athlete trying to make this correlate, but like mm. if you're Logic and you're the best you know, DJ in the world and you're the best rap guy, artist guy in the world and you decide to make one of your amazing songs and have it serve a social purpose mm. and to watch that song blow up and then actually have a statistically identifiable effect on your demographic, who the song would reach anyway, Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing that we can do because thus the impetus is on journalists to speak to Logic, to Alessia and to Khalid about how their first-person narrative factored into the writing of the song Mm -hmm. them then, I mean, we all know what it's like to have a role model who we look up to specifically because they've been through the same things we've been through. This is one of the reasons why it's so powerful that it's Hollywood actresses speaking out in the Me Too movement is because we've iconized these people for years. Now we can relate to them on a different level as ourselves survivors of sexual violence. Similarly in the music industry with Logic and Khalid and, and that team. It's um, kids who turn to music to help them handle their depression and their anxiety and whatever they may be going through. Now hearing some of their favorite artists, some of the most popular artists in the world saying, hey, I've been here, now that I'm a success, I'm going to make not just a song, but a beautiful chart-topping song about my having been there that serves a purpose, even if only in the title, which is the hotline for, it's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So I think that's one way, is by effectively disregarding the label, Right. And instead just deciding that when your platform gets to that point, you will take your experiences and you will turn them into something that is both catchy and valuable. <laughs>
1: nice. You know,
5: that, that's one way. That's one way yeah. if you're not gonna write for the Talkhouse or for the Players' Tribune, something like that, right. that artists with the biggest platforms in the world really can, yeah. you know.
4: Make a change.
5: Yeah, even even Kanye West being willing to rap about Lexapro was huge. Yeah. I mean, in terms of mental illness advocacy, just hearing Kanye take a lighthearted approach to announcing his own experiences with with mental illness. Yeah. You know, these are these are things that artists, not that they can do, but that they are doing already, yeah. that they may not even realize have the impact that they have, mm-hmm. is, is speaking openly yeah about our own experience so so
4: you would say uh, the leaders in our industries it's incumbent uh, upon them to to speak out like the lebron james no we won't shut up and dribble um that's huge i've been talking about that all week so i'm sure a lot of athletes when they talk to their parents at home and they talk to their friends and their family um i think like that's probably a, a big conversation um and then that that's one thing and the second thing too right like for yourself right like you're an artist um you interview artists um i'm an athlete i love to interview athletes and um we we had opportunity with Players tribune the awesome uh, Uh, internship, by the way. Um, We got, uh, we got a chance to go to,
5: I want to intern there.
4: We got a chance to interview Steph. Uh, We didn't get a chance to get Steph but I saw him. Uh, You know, we got to get Draymond Green, these, you know, superstars essentially. Right. And the fact that we were athletes ourselves, it brought that power, right. There's no miscommunication. We got to talk about what we wanted to talk about. Right. So I love the fact that, you know, you're an artist and you interview other artists because you know what to ask them. Um, You're not going to misconstrue their words.
5: I think on the subject of, of questions, I think we got the five minute signal about five minutes ago. So I think we're gonna we're gonna take some questions. Oh yeah, I believe. All welcome back on. to the stage, Elia and welcome, Dan. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And your name is?
4: My name is Omkar.
3: I'm a fan of music and I'm also a fan of sports. I'm particularly um, a fan of football for a bunch of reasons. Go Eagles! i nice. from Philadelphia. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have some.
4: Uh, I have th- three teammates. Um, Chris, Chris Long, um, oh, Chris and the, Long, yeah, yeah. and um, a starting quarterback who won the game. Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. I played with. I played with those two guys. And oh, so you play with Roddy McLeod, too. So I. I okay, I was, so I was you, you play with
3: these people. But number one is Connor Barwin, who was the be- the best Eagles defensive guy, who unfortunately got let go. With the Rams, and which got, I went played Went to the Rams. And you yeah, play, Rams, play with yeah. Connor. Connor Barwin also is well known as "quote unquote" the hipster football player. Yes. Who who um, does <laughs> um, concerts with indie rock stars in Philadelphia? No way. Yeah, and he's he's buddies with Kurt Vile as okay, well. Sick. Like he, he has good taste in music. He drives a Tesla to work. I didn't even know that you were on this panel. Yeah, I know about the Talkhouse, and I was like, "Oh, Connor Barwin's the perfect person to do this work."
4: Yeah, we need to get. is Connor. I don't know if Connor Barwin has been in. I think we
3: featured Connor before. It's interesting uh-huh. just this conversation about the crossover between music and sports, because just this week uh, I interviewed a athlete named uh, Joe Barksdale, who's a tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and he recently released his own album. He, he's always been very musically inclined. Um, and what was so interesting about it is he also happens to uh, suffer from depression. He mm-hmm. just recently, the past couple of months, he decided he wanted to start talking about that. And uh, he recognized music as this outlet that allowed him to express himself in a different kind of way, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And even while we were talking to him, he asked if he could just hold his guitar, not necessarily play it, but just holding to wow. his guitar. It's as, a comfort. Yeah, as a comfort. Um, it, was, it was fascinating. I do think there's a lot of symmetry there between yeah. uh, being able to be, the ability to be passionate about these uh, activities and express yourself in a different way yeah. while engaging in them.
5: You know, I think to your point that to show people that music and sports and politics and business, these are not different disciplines, they are overlapping disciplines, and thus you cannot tell us to just shut up and sing, just shut up and dribble, shut up and whatever, because we, like our audience, are varied people simply within the confines of ourselves.
4: Yes, 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 I
5: think I think what you have proposed here is something that will benefit everyone across all the disciplines that we've discussed, you know, by showing that we are capable of holding more than one thought in our head at once.
4: Yes, I agree.
5: Just like people can listen to music and lift weights at the same time. At the same you know? time,
4: yeah, at the same time. And do some business at the same If They need to pay their bills while they're lifting or, lifting you know, whatever. Yeah. Truly. Yeah.
0: Well, on that note, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to encourage everyone here and everyone who's watching through the live stream and uh, listening to the podcast. If you want to hear about athletes' experiences, if you want to hear about filmmakers' and musicians' experiences beyond the talking points, beyond the quick interview, beyond the, the sort of soundbite, head over to Players' Tribune, head over yes. to TalkHouse, subscribe to TalkHouse podcast, and, and there you'll find very powerful past interviews that uh, – I say interviews, but they're not interviews. They're conversations with Meredith and Rose McGowan, with Meredith and uh, Slater Kinney's Janet Weiss, one of our only two-parters that we ever ran because it was such a fucking great conversation. Yeah. Such a
5: long conversation. It needed two
0: parts. <laughs> and I just want to thank On Air Festival again for having yeah, us. A you. big round of applause for you guys. Bravo.
4: Thanks,
0: Yeah, Dan Treadway from Players' Tribune. Yeah. No Cameron thanks. Lynch. Thank you, guys. Meredith Graves. I'm Ellie Einhorn. We didn't get much time for questions. Catch us after and we'll, we'll chop it up. Thanks. Thanks again to On Air Festival for asking the TalkHouse to participate. Thank you to Players Tribune for joining us and to Meredith Graves and Cameron Lynch. If you enjoyed today's talk, head over to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe.
1: For more of the Players' Tribune, check them out at theplayerstribune.com. Really awesome commentary from athletes. And I'm not kidding when I say that you need to read Meredith's Talkhouse pieces. Of course, we're talkhouse.com, and you can find a lot of great writing there, too.
0: I'm Elia Einhorn.
1: And I'm Amy Rose Spiegel.
0: Till next time.
1: Catch you later.
0: Peace.